What is going on, everybody? It's your boy Nightmare K. Hall back at it again with another podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your independent news section, 2023, April 23rd. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow I have work. My weekend has been pretty good. We saw Bitcoin starting to move up now. We're starting to see all the cryptos starting to make a little bit of move. Don't know if that's going to last uh, tomorrow, uh, Monday after the stock market bell rings, but we'll see what happens. Um, I have work tomorrow, as you guys know. I work Monday, Tuesdays, Thursday, Friday, off Saturday, Sundays, and Wednesdays. But ladies and gentlemen, we got some articles we got to get into, man. It is serious, folks. The fourth industrial revolution, folks, is pretty much upon us. We're seeing the robots, algorithms, and drones take over the economy. And soon they'll be paying each other with Bitcoin and crypto. And the sheep will go inside the metaverse, folks. As you also know, Meta is scrapping their freaking uh, whole metaverse thing and going in a different direction. I don't believe this for one second, but we'll see what happens. We'll keep an eye on it. But folks, <laughs> there's a lot of things going on around the world, folks. So we're going to kick it off in Canada. That's right, our Canadian brothers and sisters, man. The Canadian Medical Association Journal article calls for governments to address the risk of misinformation online. You can't make this shit up, folks, in a Hollywood film. But let's get into this article. And I will have two bonus articles for you folks in the links in the description below. So definitely make sure you read those articles as well. I'm not going to read them to you tonight, but I'll definitely give you the titles of both of those bonus articles. An article published by the Canadian Medical Association Journal, CMAJ, has undertaken a formidable task to engage in lockdown revision, revisions while stating that it is fighting lockdown revisionisms. The lockdown had referred to a radical, restrictive, invasive, and long-lasting measure the authorities put in place during the COVID pandemic, but the article believes that the very word lockdown has now gained not only a powerful but also perverted meaning. Oh, Jesus Christ. Talk about perverted use of language. This development, which worries CMAJ, has taken place not only during the pandemic but during the infodemic. For those not in the know, infodemic is a pandemic era neological nims pushed by the likes of the World Health Organization, i.e. meant to signify an overabundance of information, some acronyms, some not. That makes it hard for people to find trustworthy sources and, and access to the right reliable guidance when they need it. In other words, people don't know what's good for them and then come all sorts of trustworthy sources to sort the truth out for them. The CMAJ article in particular wants to deal with misinformation on lockdowns and calls that lockdown revision It is this rather than any actions taken by the governments that has eroded trust in public health innovations. Over the past three years, the journal is convinced. The article authors also curiously insist on preparing it with the mention of democratic governments engaging in these initiatives, possibly to bolster the trustworthiness of their own argument here. In reality, all sorts of government did this, and some view as democratic then did not emerge from the pandemic with that image unscathed. The CM, 
AJ wants these good governments to now do more controversy things such as put emphasis, address the risk of what is seen as misinformation amplifications on social media. Some of these misinformation specifically regarding lockdowns is a tool of repression, not only physical, but also intelligently. Considering censorship faced by those expressing their skepticism on those social sites, it is defined pretty well, although clearly from CMAJ's point of view as negative phenomena, elements of outlandish conspiracies, things like this. Lockdowns have been framed as reckless and unscientific, as junk science, as an excuse to permanently oppress population, as gaslighting with ever-shifting goalposts. If that sounds about right, the CMAJ considers you a misinformation peddler with a possible, with possibly a knack for outlandish conspiracies, and now how to fix that. Oh, Jesus Christ, this, these people are insane. Governments could consider strategies including increased regulatory scrutiny to address the risk of misinformation being amplified on social media is one of the ideas presented in this article. Folks, this is asinine. These people of the Canadian Medical Association Journal are completely delusional. So now they want to make it so that anytime we speak out against anything the government does, it's going to be deemed as misinformation or disinformation or your conspiracy theories. Oh, yeah, sure. So lockdowns really helped, right? Lockdowns really helped slow down the spread. No, it didn't. It didn't do anything. It just got people more and more sick. Because they're around dust, they're they're stuck in the house, they're not able to go out and breathe freaking oxygen, they're not able to go out and enjoy the sun and get their daily dose of vitamin D and all these things that they need from the earth by being outside. You know, I'm an introvert as well, folks. I mean, I do my poor job of going outside. I, I mean, it's always cold where I am, so it's freaking ridiculous, you know, and there's barely any sunlight where I am anyway. That's why I have to get vitamins and stuff, you know, to keep my health up. And things like that. Keep my metabolism up and stuff like that. But anyway, these people in in, uh, in this Canadian Medical Association Journal are completely delusional. They really believe that government is doing the best for them by locking them in a cage. And this is what George Gammon said, that people are going to demand. Not only that they get locked in a cage, folks, but they're going to also demand a central bank digital currency, a programmable money. They're going to demand it. And I keep trying to tell Doug and Sunita this. All the time, you know, with my cryptic messages that I put on Twitter, which probably they don't even read. But I try to tell people, you don't understand the beast that you're dealing with, bro. That you're not only just dealing with the people in the hierarchy of the pyramid. You're also dealing with the morons that we're surrounded by throughout the entire world. And I'm just going to take North America just to be Pacific Canada and Mexico and the United States, we're surrounded by morons, folks. We really are. We're surrounded by freaking imbeciles. Straight up. I mean, this freaking article proves it. You want to deem anybody who has skepticism or calls out lockdowns or anything the government does as misinformation? So what are you telling me? I can't think for myself anymore? I just have to go along to get along? I mean, what the hell is that? What the hell is that? Anyway, folks. Let me know what y'all think about this article. We're going to have it in the link in the description below. Moving on, we got Representative Stacey Plaskett threatens journalist Matt Tlaib with jail over his Twitter files testimony. So, ladies and gentlemen, telling the truth now will get you in prison, put you in a cage. 
absolutely ridiculous. Let's get into this article. So Representative Stacey Plaskett, the Democrat delegate representing the Virgin Islands in the U.S. Congress, has intensified her attack on independent journalist Matt Tlaib. Previously, during a House Judicial Select Subcommittee hearing on federal government weaponization, Plasky had dismissed Tlaib and Michael as so-called journalists and attempted to discredit their testimony on government pressure influencing speech restrictions on Twitter, which is no lie, folks. They are pressuring Elon Musk and Twitter to restrict free speech. I've even encountered it myself on certain words. If you say it, they will tell you to edit it, which is absolutely asinine. Let's continue. Plaskett sent a letter to Tlaib accusing him of pre-jury and hinting at a potential five-year imprisonment sentence. The letter was obtained by investigator journalist Lee Fung. In the letter, Plaskett highlights that giving false testimony to Congress carries a penalty up to five years of prison. What is the what is this lady talking about? Is she like delusional? The basic for Plaskett pre-jury acquisition lies in several alleged errors to leave made during the publication of the Twitter files. These alleged inaccuracies were brought to light by MSNBC. Oh yeah, left-wing freaking uh, media outlet. Mainstream media outlet. Uh, Hassan, who criticized to leave during the interview, used him to claim that the entire Twitter files probably was fundamentally flawed. While Tlaib did make a mistake, such as confusing the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency a federal government entity with the Center for Internet Security, a nonprofit organization. Hassan failed to explain how the error invalidated the basis of the Twitter file revelation. Tlaib acknowledged the honest mistake in a tweet, pointing out that both organizations were part of the Election Integrity Partnership, a Stanford University initiative aimed at monitoring election-related social media discourse. Nevertheless, Plaskett claimed that Tlaib initially made the error and committed perjury is unfounded. Tlaib had admitted mistaken CSI for CSIA in a single tweet in one of his many threads, but his testimony to Congress was entirely different, Fong wrote. Hassan deceptively conflated this quickly corrected tweet with Tlaib's testimony. Fang went on to say the evidence shows that Tlaib's congressional remarks were correct. CSI and CISA collaborated with EIP on moderation requests to both, with both organizations directly appearing, appealing to Twitter for censorship, making Tlaib's overall point and particular argument completely accurate. Fung has written more about this here. Plasky alleges that the mistaken confusion CISA and CIS was intentional, attempting to undermine the idea that the government is stifling speech while at the same time threatening journalists with imprisonment, effectively weaponizing her power against a member of free press. So folks, that's against the law. You can't even weaponize against free press. We have free press in the United States. You cannot threaten a journalist with prison time knowing that, yeah, he made a mistake by mixing up CISA with CIS. It happens. We're human, folks. I mean, this whole garbage about threatening this man, about what his testimony over the Twitter files is absolutely correct. You are trying to hamper free speech. You're pressuring Elon Musk, the owner of the goddamn company that owns Twitter, is coming out and telling you and showed all the back doors that the FBI and all these government agencies have on Twitter to censor speech. This is ridiculous. 
People like me have been knowing this for years because we've been on Twitter since 2009. We know how Twitter was in 2009. We know how it is now. We know how it's changed over the years. We know how certain things have been censored, blocked, banned, cannot be spoken about on Twitter at all. We know this already. So this is bullshit. You know, this representative right here, this Stacey Plastic person, needs to lose her job, needs to be fired immediately because this chick has no idea about the laws that are in place. Now, I understand guys like Maxis and Raphael and all these anarchists are going to tell me these people that write laws on paper don't mean anything. I 100% agree. But those are laws in place. We have freedom of the press here, lady. You have to respect the freedom of the press. Even if you don't like the person who's in the field, you have to respect that law. And by the way, this BS that this freaking journalist lied is bullshit. It's complete bullshit, folks. As I just got saying, Elon Musk has already opened up the entire Twitter files. We have countless freaking reports from Reclaim the Net, uh, Blacklisted News, ExposedNews.com, all these independent websites, even some of the mainstream, even Fox News, and I don't even like Fox News. Fox News even broke the story about the whole fucking backdoors that the government has to Twitter. This is bullshit. But anyway, let me know what y'all think in the description below, folks. We got more stories to get to. So Representative Kim Buck presses for information on who's funding disinformation group creating demonetization blacklist. So we might have some good news. So Representative Kim Buck serving on a House uh, Foreign Affairs and Jurisdictional Committee recently addressed the Global Disinformation Index, GDI, in a letter after discovering that two affiliated U.S.-based nonprofits have concealed donor details in their tax forms. The U.K.-based GDI has been scrutinized for blacklisting conservative news outlets for advertising platforms. We obtained a copy of the letter here for you. GDI is linked to the U.S.-based Public Charity Disinformation Index, INC, and the private organization and foundation, also referred to as Disinformation Index Foundation, in their 2021 tax forms, both groups withheld information about donors, officers, and board members claiming federal exemption due to the harassment the Washington Examiner found. G GDI lawyer Marcus Owens explained that these actions were taken to protect personal and their families, personnel and their families from threats and hacking attacks. In the letter, uh, Representative Buck demanded that GDI CEO Clary Bedford proceed a complete and unredacted list of donors for both U.S.-based organizations, asserting that the concealed information obstructs the public's understanding of potential conflicts of interest and ideology learning. He emphasized that American taxpayers deserve to know the compensation of organizations that could impact their freedom of speech. I agree. The GDI faced criticism in February when it was revealed that the organization supplied blacklists of right learning websites to advertise in March. Representative Buck questioned both the State Department and the federal funded National Endowment for Democracy, which financed the GDI, despite the Ann Foundation receiving 115,000 contributions in 2021. It did not disclose its donors. The IRS declined to commit to comment on whether it had granted the group the harassment exemption. Representative Buck letters sought a full explanation for the redacted donor information as 
the two organizations commit to providing unredacted information to the IRS while receiving federal funding. Interestingly, the GDI has previously demanded transparency from media outlets in a December 2022 report. The organization accused certain media outlets of maintaining ownership structures, making it difficult to identify conflicts of interest. The New York Post, for example, was labeled a high-risk outlet due to its lack of operational policies and practices. So, folks... A lot of shady shit going on behind the scenes, right? So you got people creating blacklist, creating demonetizing blacklist behind the scenes, folks, and then concealing the information, not reporting their donors to the IRS. But see, the IRS is into this too, folks. See, this is all bullshit. This is the bullshit that gets pushed under the rug that we're not able to see, folks. And this is why I keep trying to tell you, folks, you got to stop fighting amongst each other. You know, it's divide and conquer, folks. It's the oldest trick in the book. They always do this to us. They always do this and they always win because we're always focused on each other fighting amongst each other. When we should be kicking these people ass for making this bullshit and getting away with not even paying their fair share of taxes. I mean, yes, taxes, it's theft. But fuck that. If you're an organization, I demand that you pay your fucking taxes. I, as a citizen, may not have to. But fuck you as an organization, you already get enough tax breaks, so you're going to pay all your damn taxes when you are needed to, you bastards. But let me know what y'all think about uh, representing Kim Buck, presses for information on who's funding disinformation groups creating demonetized blacklists. I absolutely love this, and I normally don't like politicians at all, but in this case, Kim Buck, I got to cheer you on, give you a golf clap for your efforts of trying to fight this, but I still think it's the Hegelian dialing. It's a bunch of bullshit going on behind the scenes, but it's a very good story in in my eyes as well. All right, folks, moving on. So we got Oracle ends partnership with online advertising blacklist influencers. So in a significant more multinational software giant, Oracle has terminated its relationship with Global Disinformation Index, GDI, a British organization funded by the U.S. State Department. How nice to know. The, the GDI, known for supplying an advertiser with blacklists of conservative websites, has been the subject of controversy in recent times. Oracle Vice President for Corporate Communication, Michael announced the decision on Wednesday stating that the company believes in supporting free speech and aligning with the advertising in, uh, industry's values. This change in stance comes after Oracle's initial f- formed a partnership with GDI back in 2021. During the announcement of their collaboration, Oracle has emphasized the need for an always-on brand safety approach, helping marketers identify suitable environments while avoiding those that could damage their brand. The partnership with GDI aimed to offer an additional layer of protection by using the organization risk rating analysis to block domain categorized as high risk for disinformation. The recent development followed a similar move by Microsoft over two, two months ago when the tech giant temporarily suspended its association with GDI pending an investigation. Microsoft advertisement uh, subsequently was founded to be used the DDI dynamic exclusion list of conservative media outlets. Internal data provided by industrial whistleblower to the Washington Examiner revealed that 
Alexander stop labeling these conservative websites as hate speech, false slash misleading or reprehensible slash offensive. Microsoft investigation into the matter is ongoing and it remains uncertain whether the company will permanently sever ties with GDI, which I highly doubt. I highly doubt Microsoft will do that. But anyway, folks, what do y'all think about Oracle in a partnership with online advertising blacklist influence? I think they should have never did it to begin with, but we all know what the whole point was 20, 2021 was about. It was about the whole uh, stolen election. It was all about, you know, people calling out the vaccines and all the deaths that were going on and people getting adverse reactions and all that stuff. So they had to, they did this disinformation campaign. So everybody was on board, all the corporations was on board. But now that that's kind of went into the back, you know, behind the curtain per se, well, now we can move on and sever our ties from the GDI. But don't think for one second, folks, when we have another pandemic in the next two years, that we will, that we will, because I have a feeling we might have a pandemic next year, to be honest, because it is an election year. So, you know, Joe Biden's got to go out with a bang, folks. He's got to try to make himself look good. So it wouldn't surprise me if a pandemic shows up in 2024. Um, I'm leaning towards 2025, but uh, we'll see what happens. But if that does happen, don't think for one second that all these companies won't sign back on with GDI for sure for misinformation and disinformation campaigns and block all these conservative websites. But anyway, folks, now we get to the real news. Facebook uses Norway state media to censor Seymour Hirsch over Nord Stream attack story. That's right, folks. So we all know that the United States did it. I mean, we're not 100% sure, but. A lot of evidence points to the United States blowing up the Nord Stream pipeline. In a controversy move, Facebook has censored an article written by Pesler Prize winner journalist Seymour Hurst. The continuous piece detailed the alleged involvement of the United States in the destruction of the Russia Nord Stream pipeline. Uh, uh, portrayed in collaboration with the Norwegian government, its Secret Service, and the Navy. Seymour, a legendary investigative journalist, has enjoyed a career spanning more than five decades, during which he consistently unearthed and reported on some of the most significant and controversial events in modern history. Hearst's groundbreaking report on the Mai Lai massacre in 1969 not only exposed the horrific mass murder of hundreds of Vietnamese citizens by U.S. soldiers, but also led to widespread public outcry and a significant shift in public opinion on the war. This was just the beginning of Hearst's story career as he went on to break numerous other stories that had a significant impact on American society and politics. Some of the most notable work includes undercovering the CIA's illegal domestic surveillance program in the 1970s, revealing the extent of the torture and abuse at the Abu Ghraib prisons in Iraq in 2004 and challenged the official narrative surrounding the killing of Osama bin Laden in 2011. Michael, another journalist, discovered the issue while attempting to share Hertz's article on Facebook in response to his effort. The social media platform placed a warning label on the link stating false information checked by independent fact checkers. However, the scrutiny of the so-called independent fact checkers have revealed that there impartially is questionable at best 
Michael points out that Hearst's historic journalistic integrity far exceeds that of the fact checker organization in question. This organization, as it turns out, is affiliated with the Norwegian government-owned media company NRK, which stands to benefit from suppressing her story. By labeling the article as containing false information, Facebook effectively prevents it from reaching a broader audience as the platform algorithm demotes the piece. This case raises concerns about the impartial of fact-checkers and their Potential conflicts of interest. It highlights the need for greater transparency in the processes and relationship that governs the uh, that governs the information on social media platforms. People have been debating who blew up the Nord Stream pipeline, which transported natural gas from Russia to Western Europe for the past several months. American journalist Seymour says that the Pipeline was blown up by the U.S. government with the help from the Norwegian government, but some claim his story is wrong, but Facebook won't allow people to decide which story is right and which one is wrong. Schellenberger notes, it has been taken aside by censoring Hearst's article on the story. The censorship comes from a company that once said, we don't think we can make ourselves the arbitrage of truth. So there you go, folks. They're not even let uh, his story stay up there for debate which we all knew Facebook was going to do anyway. Anytime you speak out against the government's narrative, they're going to put a freaking false information or fact check label on your stuff. I mean, they put a fact check label on my podcast, folks. I mean, my podcast, they have a freaking misinformation or disinformation uh, fact checker. Go look on my Twitter page. You can actually see it. You probably have to scroll down and see it because it used to be my pin tweet, but it's not anymore. Um, but if you go through my Twitter, you can actually find it and you'll see the disinformation label that sits right there. It's absolutely ridiculous, folks. It's unfreaking believable. But moving on, folks, we got a couple more stories and then I'll be out of your hair for the evening. So we have YouTube, folks, to monetize this political commentary, Matt Walsh, the same guy who did the freaking show, What is a Woman?, so, Matt Walsh of the Daily Wire revealed that YouTube has demonetized the channel for criticized transgender activist Dylan, Dylan Mulvaney. Waltz talked about the demonetization while at the University of Iowa to discuss the topic of transgenderism. He said that his show would now air for free on Daily Wire Plus, Twitter, and Rumble. If I simply respect the preferred pronouns to stop accurately genderizing people, then I can likely continue to do my show on the platform. Get it remonetized at a short probational period and continue making over a hundred thousand dollars a month on YouTube ads. Walsh said, "In other words, all I have to do is all I have to do to keep the money and the platform is give up my integrity and my soul." He had and to and to that I say, hell no, no way. Walsh will still post select content to his two point three million subscribers on YouTube. However, the full show will only be published on platforms that allow him to speak freely. He added that the decision to remove his show from YouTube was easy. I will not give my show to YouTube if it means I have to cooperate with and affirm the very ideologies that I've been battling all this time. He added, the Daily Wire uh, co-CEO Jeremy Bowering said that there was a rise in cancellation campaigns targeted at Walsh and his fellow hosts Michael Knowles and Brett Cooper Earlier this week, Knowles had to be evacuated from the University of Pittsburgh as a violent protest erupted his speech. TikTok 
permanently banned Cooper. So, barring blasted big tech platforms for conspiring fact checks, bans, and demonetization against hosts at the Daily Wire. He also said that software companies JW Player and HubSpot serve ties with the media outlets. Like Walsh, Barring said he will not give in. YouTube wants to keep Matt Walsh from being able to monetize because they know it will drastically stunt his growth and make his content far less viable. They expect us to throw a fit and play right into their hands. We won't, he said. And that's good. I'm glad Matt Walsh and his team, all the people at the Daily Wire, are not giving in to YouTube. So, man, I definitely wouldn't. That's one of the reasons why when I first started my podcast, I was not going to do a YouTube uh, podcast. Um, I started on Spotify, and I know Spotify has censored stuff as well, um, for sure. I've never been censored on Spotify. Thank goodness for that. But my podcast has extended to other independent platforms, thanks to LinkedIn and thanks to the places, all the social media platforms I put my podcast on. I am now on Fountain, which is a Bitcoin-only freaking uh, podcast website where a lot of podcasters hang out that are in Bitcoin, like myself. So yeah, so I have my podcast on there. I have my podcast on Podvine. I have my podcast on Google. We all know Google's shit. We have it on iHeartRadio. We have it on Amazon uh, Music. Um, we have it pretty much a lot of places, folks. So I'm very grateful and thank to the great spirit of Allah for everything he's provided with me in my life, especially with this podcast. I didn't know it was going to last this long. Um, again, I'm still doing my podcast as a hobby. Now I've jumped into the independent news scenes, going to reclaim the net. Uh, getting these articles for us, going to blacklist.com, doing the technology, uh, technocracy news and stuff like that, bring you these articles, folks, and things like that. Um, so yeah, folks, it does take a lot of time and it is time consuming as well. Again, this is a hobby for me. It's not about money. It's about hobby and, and I think it's the right thing to do as well, as long with my gaming and, and crypto uh, podcast as well. So yes, folks. It is very, very important that Matt Walsh moves to platforms to let him speak freely. Same way I'm doing as well, to speak freely as well. Sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong. You know, we're all human, we all make mistakes. And the thing is, we gotta learn to forgive each other. Maybe never forget, but always forgive. So that's the thing as well. You know, that's something I've been working on throughout my life. But this whole Matt Walsh thing, I'm very happy they're continuing to fight, man. And that's what you need, man. You need fighters in this stuff. Especially when big platforms are trying to shut you down, you know, and things like that. So it's very important that we stick together, folks, share the content, you know, get this stuff out, folks, to people, even if they don't want to listen to it. It is what it is. At least you're sharing the content. All right. So moving on, folks, we got one more article after this. And this is this article is about the London police. So the London police are condemned for using anti-terrorist laws to detain Publisher who protests Macron. So that's right, folks. The UK National Union of Journalists and two publicists have condemned the Metro Police for using anti-terrorist laws to arrest a French publisher who arrived in London to attend the London Book Fair. Ernest, who was employed by Edith La uh, Farica in Paris, was arrested for arriving in St. Pancras Railway Station to attend the book fair. 
The police stopped him under Schedule 7 of the Terrorism Act 2000, which gives them broad powers to search people arriving at a border crossing to see if they are involved in terrorism. The interrogation would have been illegal in France. According to the Edition uh, La Fabrica, its collaborating London-based uh, publisher, Riso Books, uh, give me just a second, Ernest, <clears throat> where is that? So Ernest refused to unlock his phone for the police. He was taken to a police station in North London at around 1930 hours on Monday, 17th, April. A 28-year-old man was stopped by a port officer as he arrived at St. Pancras Station using power under Schedule 7 of the Terrorist Act 2000. The Met said in a statement on Tuesday, April 18th, the man was subsequently arrested on suspicion of willfully obstructing a Schedule 7 examination contrary to a Section 18 of the Terrorism Act 2000. Inquires continue. Addition said that Ernest, hold on a second, said that Ernest was detained for participating in demonstrations to, to protest French President Emmanuel Macron raising the retirement age from 62 to 64. Additions, La and Frizo's books described the arrest as an outrageous and unjustified infringement of free speech and also an abuse of anti-terrorism laws. The police Officer claimed that Ernest had participated in demonstration in France as a justification for this act, a quite remarkable inappropriate statement for a British police officer to make and which seems to clearly indicate uh, complicity between French and British authorities on this matter. The two publishers said in a joint statement, it was demanded that he give up his phone and pass codes to the officers with no Justification or explanation offered this morning, Ernest was formally arrested and transferred to a police station accused of obstruction because of his refusal to give up his passcode. Pamela of the National Unit of Journalists said it seemed extraordinary for a police in the UK to use an anti-terror law to detain a publisher who was on a legit business here. Speaking to the BBC... Verso Books Senator Editor Director Sebastian said it was an extremely frightening kind of event when somebody who's just conducting their per professional activity coming to a book fair in, the, in London can be treated in this kind of way as if they're public enemy number one. So, Editions La Fabrica is a left-wing publisher. We've had months now of mass protests in France, and I think from their perspective, anybody who is a descendant or aligned with the descendant, descendant publisher is potentially some kind of criminal. Ernest is a 20-year-old, 28-year-old foreign rights manager. He doesn't have any political power or influence. I think they just decided he's someone good to pick on to see if they can get any intelligence. So there you go, folks. So <laughs> you got London police, man, just attacking freaking journalists, man. All simply because he was on a trip to just check out the book fair. It's absolutely ridiculous. But give me a second, folks. I'm going to grab some water. Throw this kind of part.
All right, I'm back. All right, so, but I think that's bullshit, man. And folks, this is pretty much the world we're going to be living in in the future. I mean, where there's going to be no freedom at all. I mean, you go out in the streets, man, you're going to get mugged by the freaking communist police, the greeny police or whatever, for God's sakes. But last but not least, folks, we got to talk about Russia. Yeah, that's right, folks. For everybody that's cheering on Russia and Vladimir Putin, you might want to hold your horses. So Russia develops facial recognition tech to track down draft dodgers. So that's right, folks. Russia has the draft for the war in Ukraine. So they're drafting people to fight in the war. And if you're trying to dodge, they have set up a system to track your ass down by face recognition. So Russia is using face recognition system to track down young eligible men trying to evade the compulsion military draft. It has been over one year since the Russian invasion of Ukraine and Russia is still mobilizing more troops to determine the place of residence of the conscript. Video surveillance system in the city of Moscow are being used, said Moscow Chief Enlistment Officer Maximum Laktiva, according to the state-run news outlet. Task. In 2017, Moscow IT department announced that over 3,000 CCTV cameras in the city have been equipped with facial recognition technology. <clears throat> Last week, President Vladimir Putin signed a law with stricter restrictions on those avoiding being drafted in the military. The law now allows for call-up papers to be sent electronically. They do not have to be delivered in person by an enlistment officer. Every spring and fall, thousands of men between the ages of 18 and 27 try to avoid recruitment into the military. The use of face recognition will make it harder for them to dodge recruitments, and they will have to do the compulsive one year of military training. Since the invasion of Ukraine, Russia has mobilized at least 300,000 re reserves to fight. God, Lee. God, Lee, man. That's a lot of freaking reserves, to tell you the truth, folks. Holy cow. So, yeah, for all you people that are out there still chilling on Russia or whatever or still looking at the Russia-Ukraine war, well, this is what's going on in Russia. They are making facial recognition so your punk ass does not avoid going to the military. That's right, folks. If you're 18 to 27 Russian and you're a Russian man, well, guess what? No longer you're going to be able to avoid freaking not going to the military, sir. You're going to war whether you like it or not. And now they have their face recognition so you can't avoid not being tracked down. So yeah, ladies and gentlemen, that's pretty much all the stories I have for you tonight. So <clears throat> yeah, man, it's getting crazy out here, folks. It's getting real, real crazy. So get yourself prepared, get yourself positioned, get yourself in the lab this summer, folks, because things are about to get crazy, crazy, crazy here in the next 12 to 18 months, so it's about to get wild, folks, really wild around the world, but yeah, folks, I got two more articles, I'm going to name them now, so we got the UK minister calls for tech executives to be jailed if they ignore censorship demands, absolutely overreach, by the way, and then we got the Meta Oversight Board recommends continue COVID censorship until the World Health Organization calls into pandemic. So that's right, folks. The World Health Organization has not called the pandemic over. And then Biden administration invests $1.9 million. That's a million with an M. 
and disinformation to education, folks. You, you just can't make this shit up. Now they're going to teach your kids about disinformation. Folks, we are back in not, we are back in freaking, we are back in ancient times, folks. Like, I'm serious. When Stalin was in power, folks, this is absolutely ridiculous. Like, we are back in Stalin's time, folks. This is where we're heading to. And if I'm not a light, I'm not a left wing or right wing, I'm an independent person. But folks, for you people that's still out there, still representing Democrats or Republicans or any of this crap right now, anarchists or, you know, all this other bullshit, like, you need to stop. Just stop. Politics is bullshit. It is absolute garbage. Absolute garbage, folks. But I'm going to put the link to these three extra uh, three extra stories in the, in the description below, folks, for y'all. So you're going to read them up yourselves. But this is your boy, Nightmare K-Hawk, folks. I'm going to sign off. I'm going to get the hell out of here because I have work tomorrow night. I'm going to stay up a little bit longer. Then I'm going to head to bed around probably about 3 a.m. And then I'm going to get ready for work later tonight. Get you guys as your package stored in the aisles so the pickers can get your stuff. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, I will holla at y'all on Friday or no, not Friday. I will holla at y'all on Saturday for the crypto and gaming section of the show. And then on Sunday, I will holla at y'all for the independent news. So we'll see you back here on Saturday, folks. Peace.